Welcome back to the DC Yoga Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Parkinson. Uh, we're here at the Heyrich House in lovely DuPont Circle in Washington, DC at Heartcast Media, uh, again with producer Panama. Uh, and my guest today is Christine Contra. Um, I know a little bit about Christine. Uh, I'll let her get to her bio in a second, but uh, Christine is the uh, personal training manager at Vita Fitness at the U Street location uh, and was actually one of my uh, first yoga instructors when I first started teaching yoga uh, or first started taking yoga a while back. Um, and so I'm really excited to uh, have her on the show today. Thanks for having me, Chris. You're welcome. Um, so uh, we always start uh, at the beginning of the show kind of talking about our, uh, how we got into yoga. Um, do you remember your first introduction to yoga or your first yoga class or how you got started? I do remember. Uh, it was about 12, 12-ish years ago, and uh, I was in college, and I was a long-distance runner. And uh, I got into yoga for purely physical reasons, like I think a lot of people do. I had uh, really tight muscles, and I had some injuries cramping up, and you know, I heard about this thing called yoga that everybody seemed to be wanting to do these days when it comes to fitness. And so I gave it a try and it started to help me physically and it just kind of blossomed in my life as something that uh, affected me in a lot of other ways from there. Were you, um, uh, what kind of distance running were you doing? Like how long were you talking about? I was running marathons at the time. Oh my God. Oh in my college? God. Yes. For wow. fun. If you can believe it. I, I can't believe it. I mean, compared <laughs> to what I was doing in college, I can't imagine doing a marathon that, I mean, of running. <laughs> marathon of many things yes exactly um that's great so you basically got into it for stretching in i did words, in mobility yeah. yeah i think a lot of people do that which um which i think is a great way any reason that you get into yoga is a good one it really doesn't matter what it is and for me it was tight hips and hamstrings and just a general love of fitness i was a fitness instructor a cycle instructor and aerobics and stuff like that back then and uh yoga was just something that was becoming more and more popular I thought, oh, I should try that. And uh, I did it for uh, just stretching and physical reasons in college. And then once I moved to D.C., it started to branch out into more philosophical and other areas of my life and stuff mm -hmm. like that. What were your first classes like? Were they actually at the college campus where you were attending college? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually took Yoga 101. Oh, wow. It was a class. Yeah, it was an actual college class. That's fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, tell me about this class then. Was it just literally the asanas or was it, did you learn more about the yoga, like the philosophy, the psychology of it, the history of it? Honestly, I can't even really tell you now cause it's been so long, right. but I definitely remember the asana part of it. Um, I'm sure there was some philosophy involved, but, uh, I don't remember what they taught us then. So it's been a while. So you actually, you actually started out teaching, you were a group fitness instructor in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I taught cycling and I taught um, aerobics and, you know, body pump and a few other things like that. I started at my senior year, wow. something fun to do. Oh, wow. So you were originally doing all those things. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and then any other sports besides running or was it was it you're like running is my thing? Uh, running was my thing in college. But growing up, I played uh, basketball, softball, volleyball, running, um, tennis, just about anything I gave a try when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And like when you first started practicing yoga, I would imagine that sort of physicality of it was what really drew you to the practice. Yeah, it was definitely the physical part. What happened when, because I see this a lot in some, not a lot, but in some students, what happened when you got to a point where you were like, okay, like I, I can't do any more poses? 
like, or have you gotten there yet? In other words, was there a oh. point where you were like, okay, like my body doesn't bend that way or I don't have the strength for that. Like, so like I'm sort of bored and like, I don't want to do this yoga thing anymore because it's not as challenging. I've already done all the things Did that ever happened to you. I've never reached that point ever. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, things got, I mean, there's plenty of poses I've never been able to do. Um, or that I've never gotten into the full expression of, you know, whatever that really means. You know, I'm always somebody that these days believes that if you're breathing, then you're doing the full expression of something. Um, and uh, I definitely tend towards more simplistic yoga poses in and sequences in my teaching and my practice these days. Um, but I never really developed boredom with yoga. It just kind of evolved into other things. So you never had that moment in class where you were sort of like the athlete in you was like, all right, come on, like the next pose, please. Or like, is that something you ever fought when you were doing practice or did you actually did you actually get into class and you were sort of like, all right, this is cool. Like I can stay here for a little bit. Uh, I think it was a mix of both. I mean, doing, it was definitely things that I wasn't used to, you know, holding something in a balancing pose or, um, you know, doing some sort of hip opener that felt excruciating at the time to breathe with, uh, you mm -hmm. know, certainly wasn't boring. <laughs> it might've been challenging, but not boring. Um, and I think it was also a place where, um, you know, my life was always pretty hectic. So if I got to be in a, on a mat and have somebody guide me through, uh, a workout and meditation for an hour it was just nice to be there yeah yeah so um when you came to when you came to dc where did you uh where did you start where did you end up practicing yoga or where did you end up i started practicing at the gym at the house of representatives where i worked oh wow mm -hmm. and who do you remember who was teaching that class Corey Mathwitz. Oh, wow. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. She's still very important to me. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and were you, is there as an intern, you were working on the Hill? I was working on the Hill. Working on the Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I was an entry level Hill staffer when I moved here and they had a gym in the building and they had yoga classes like two or three times a week. And I swear I never missed a single one because mm -hmm. it was a, a nice thing that I could do and B, I really liked uh, Corey's teaching. Yeah, um, one of our one of our instructors at the yards, Alicia Moult, she uh, she teaches a class on the on the hill, mm -hmm. um, at the I think at that gym, and it, I don't know if it's the same class, but I know she teaches a class there every week, and she she really loves loves doing it. Mm -hmm. um, when you uh, so when did you started thinking like okay maybe this is more than just like just stretching for my running? I really kind of want to focus on this. You know, it, it was when I was working on the hill, and uh, I went to. Corey's classes several times a week and then a small group of us me and three other women uh, asked Corey to teach us private lessons once a week where we got to delve into things a little bit more and uh, I feel like we got more serious and more silly at the same time because it was our time and we could goof around if we wanted to but we could also ask more questions and um, Corey just sort of opened us up to uh levels of yoga that we didn't really know were there, you know, something more philosophical or she just drop little things in about being patient with yourself or, um, you know, use crazy yoga words that we didn't understand or something like that. And we were just fascinated and it was our, our, one of our favorite hours of the week that we got mm -hmm. to do. And so that was sort of the gateway into doing new, more and more yoga. And, uh, eventually Corey said to me at some point, you know, you should be a yoga teacher. And I always really believe that the power of mentioning to someone that they could do something is very important because that's definitely part of the reason that I became one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's great. And so did you, and then you just went and did, you did your training with uh, Studio DC. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did my teacher training with Studio DC in uh, 2011. And uh, 
I've been teaching ever since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you now during that time, were you still teaching body pump? Were you still teaching cycle classes or did words? Because see, when I first met you, like you had like long blonde hair and you were like Christine, like yoga teacher. And I just assumed like you had just been practicing yoga your entire life and that you would never just done straight that. out of the yeah, womb. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I did teacher training in 2011 and I started teaching part-time the year after, right after I graduated. And I kind of always knew that I wanted to go in that direction as a full-time career, but I was, you know, building a career in politics and all other DC sorts of things. And, uh, you know, I wasn't quite ready to admit that I wanted to make that leap because, um, it's a hard one. It's a scary one to quit your job and teach 10 yoga classes a week and Mm -hmm. hope you can pay your bills. But, um, I kind of always knew deep down it's what I wanted to do. And so I taught part-time for, let's see, about three years and sort of ramped up along the way, uh, building up the the guts and the resources to make the um, jump over to full-time teaching. So, and that was probably about the time we met. Yeah. So were you, so was there, was there a time where you were just teaching yoga? You were just a full-time yoga teacher? Yeah. There were about two years that I was a full-time yoga teacher. And how many classes a week did you get up to? Ooh, I think, I don't remember, but it was somewhere in the 12 to 18 range and, you know, did some workshops and other stuff. In addition to that, that was, yeah, that was what my full-time job was for a year and a half, two years. It was pretty fun, huh? It was very fun. (laughs) What uh, what other studios did you teach at uh, besides Studio DC or were you just there? I was primarily there. Uh, I taught um, at different like corporate settings across town too. I just kind of bounce around wherever um, I could get work that was good and and, um, that where I wanted to be. And so I'd go to different offices and... Uh, then I ended up at Vita, which is where I am full time now. Yeah, not bad, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, when did you? Um, what was that transition like when you moved from like the real world into the yoga mystical universe that we all inhabit now? <laughs> uh, blissful and scary exactly. at the same time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I remember knowing for sure it was something I wanted to do, and being. Uh, a little terrified about the financial part of it, um, as well as people being a little, not like hard judgmental, but saying like, hey, you built this career, like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, are you, are you throwing it away? Or, you know, what's this decision that you're making? And um, neither of them ended up being a big deal at all. Yeah. Do you think that was more like in your own mind or was it like, or was the actually people going like, well, what are you doing with your life? Uh, there wasn't a single person that did that. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, when I did, everyone was like, wow, I wish I could do that too. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, it ended up actually being really positive. It was scary at first. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what was, um, what was it about the, was there a point in the yoga teacher training when you were like, all right, this aspect of the yoga is like really cool. Um, in other words, something beyond the asana that like really kind of grabbed you. Uh, during yoga teacher training yeah or like at any time in other words what was like because at some point like these are just different manifestations manifestations of gymnastics right that Mm -hmm. we're doing they're just shapes with our body exactly so like there's like without that like all we're doing is these you know exercises from india like they're not there's not really much more to it than that we can just you know do this Mm -hmm. Uh, when when was there like okay like oh that's the yoga you know i think when i realized that um 
all these, you know, poses, shapes, exercises, whatever you want to call them, were just really uh, opportunities to learn how to breathe and be still, uh, that it really, it turned it over for me. Um, you know, the athleticism is cool. You know, it's, it's fun to do handstands and, and arm balances and all this cool stuff. But, um, when you realize that, Hey, can I be present and can I like get in touch with how my, the quality of my breath and, you know, how I'm feeling and, and, you know, what's going on around me and inside me while I'm doing insert particular yoga pose. Mm -hmm. That's when I realized that, Oh, this is what it's actually all about. You know, because, you know, if you can do that in any, you know, shape you're making with your body on your yoga mat, can you do that when you're having a conversation with somebody or you're walking down the street or you're doing something important mm -hmm. uh, out in your life? So it's really is, you know, a lot, I think a lot of yoga teachers say, you know, yoga is uh, practice for life, you know, not just practice for yoga. And I, I definitely believe that. Yeah, it's um, you got to practice more yoga than just the hour that you're on your mat by yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um. When, so when you were teaching, the common sort of problem becomes, when do you do your own yoga practice? So how did you, how did you navigate that? When I was doing full-time yoga teaching. Yeah. Even now was, though, I mean. It's different now. Yeah. And I'll, I'll definitely speak to that. When I was doing full-time yoga, it was easier because you hung around in the studio all the time and you just take your friend's class before right. or after yours. And so. Um, that was a little bit easier these days, much harder, yeah. um, to do that. And I would say that going to classes is really challenging for me because I teach or I train clients at the same time that everybody teaches classes. But, uh, I definitely find time that if it's just a half an hour for myself to, you know, go in a space in the gym and, you know, do some poses or sit still for a bit, then, you know, that's really my yoga practice. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and I think this is the point of yoga is that, you know, your practice then can extend into any moment of your life. Um, so the fact that I used to be really hung up on the fact that I didn't get to yoga class like five times a week, you know, when I was a yoga teacher, because, um, I thought that was being, um, I thought that was bad. Yeah, you know? exactly. You want like, to be a good a yogi. Yes. Yes. <laughs> going to be a good yogi and go five times a week or whatever <laughs> the number is. Um, but you know, if I am doing anything and I can just sit still, you know, if it's just relaxing in my apartment or whatever it is, or while I'm running or, um, while I'm doing my own training and exercise, then that counts for me. You know, it's really not the number of classes I do or the number of sun salutations I do on my own or anything like that. It's just, am I a more present, happy person? Yeah. Yeah. It works that way. Yeah, the magic of yoga. I know, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's nothing mystical, really. It's just sort of learning to be content with where you are and yourself, right. which is probably one of the hardest things you can possibly do as an American. Truth. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, let's see, you got back. So did you started teaching at Vita, mm -hmm. um, and at what point did you, and you came on, I think, as a personal trainer, as a yoga instructor at the same time, yeah? Uh, I was a yoga instructor... I want to say about a year before I became a trainer there. A trainer. Yeah, I was actually one of the trainers there who took my class all the time who said, you should be a trainer. Power of people suggesting things exactly. right there. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> so I became a trainer there about a year later. And uh, I've done both for about the past three and a half, four years. Yeah. And uh, do you find this lifestyle much uh, more rewarding than your formal, former lifestyle? I do. You do? Yeah. yeah. 
I found my work rewarding before, but the lifestyle and the work, uh, far more rewarding now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, what point did you, and we can circle back to other yoga stuff in, in a little bit, but what point did you start, um, wanting to punch people and kick people? Ooh, I think that happened a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Straight out of the womb also. Right. Yoga and martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, you know, I took it up. I, I started practicing Muay Thai and kickboxing um, about two and a half years ago. And um, it had always fascinated me as a practice, just in general. I thought, hey, if there's like the hardest possible sport or like the fastest way to like get right to the heart of you as a person, it's got to be martial arts, you mm -hmm. know? And so, but I did other things growing up and I also, I was a little wary that my parents might be, not be totally down with fighting as a sport. And so it just came up later in my life. And so I decided to uh, start practicing, like I said, about two and a half years ago and um, just became pretty instantly hooked and uh, really threw myself into it. And I've been, I've been doing it and competing ever since. Yeah. Um, now which, because we had, we had, um, obviously Angela on the show, uh, a while back. Um, and, uh, she found a lot of the same principles, you know, of yoga applied to her martial arts. Um, do you feel sort of the same way? There's, mm. there's a lot of crossover for you. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's, it may seem on the surface that, you know, yoga and, um, know combat sports uh, or, or martial arts um, you know don't have a lot in common but both of them just in very very different settings uh, require you to be really really honest with yourself and to know yourself and to sort of shed any of the bullshit that anyone has ever put in your mind about yourself and, and uh, realize that you don't have the luxury of relying on that or um, using that as an excuse when you're in a situation that is very intense, mm -hmm. like like a fight. Um, or uh, what I think can be just as intense, sitting still for a really long time. You know, there's just nobody trying to hit you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I think that, um, you know, when I started teaching, I sort of boiled down what I thought the purpose of yoga to me was. And that was that yoga was a way to make eye contact with yourself. And, um, I, like I see martial arts the same way. There's just some more physical high stakes involved. Uh, so it's really a way to, um, be able to look at yourself without turning away. And, um, once you're willing to do that, you know, the, you realize everything that again, yoga, you know, is there to help you unfold the fact that you are enough, that you are loved, that you love yourself, all these wonderful things. And martial arts is just a much more harsh way to get there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but they have a lot in common with, uh, with each other. Yeah. Um, for me, a, a lot of it also kind of boils down to discipline. Um, martial arts requires an incredible amount of discipline. And I think where a lot of people misunderstand yoga um, is that where they think that you know, we all kind of like walk around in like really loose fitting clothing and just like loving the universe. Um, and like, that's not really yoga. Like yoga is hard work. Yoga is hard work and it's not chaturangas either. I mean, it's actually physical hard work is a gateway, I think, to the mental and emotional uh, hard work. But um, being willing to sit there with the uncomfortable parts of of you know, 
anything of life, I guess, uh, you know, that's where, that's where the hard work is and it manifests physically in martial arts and in yoga, but, um, yeah, it's not just, Hey, I decided to walk around and be carefree and a hippie one day, you know, it's, you did some hard work to be at peace with things a little bit more than you were before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know the, the second line of the yoga sutras, right. It was yoga is chitta vritta narodaha, which is stilling the movement of the mind stuff mm-hmm. that, and that is discipline. You're disciplining your mind. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, this idea that, you know, you sort of, you know, you do some sun salutations and you do some stretching and that brings you bliss. Like it's going to bring you a body high, but it's not going to bring you like true joy no. you know, ever. Like you have to do the hard work because that's sort of what joy comes from is like doing the hard work. And then the fruits of that hard work is the joy you feel afterwards because you've done the hard work, mm-hmm. right? The sacrifice you made, although it doesn't always have to include sacrifice, but at least hard work. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Sanskrit, um, <laughs> it's one of the things that sort of turns you on about yoga. I do like Sanskrit, you know, I, I, I think I, I've always been a bit of a, a spelling and a, and a word nerd, if you will, um, my whole life. But, uh, you know, when we did Sanskrit, um, you know, vocabulary and using it in teaching and yoga teacher training, I, for some reason just found it really, um, enjoyable. And I still, you know, not every teacher uses Sanskrit words in their teaching today, but I, I like to do that, um, you know, not to a level that people don't understand what I'm saying, but I, I like to sprinkle it in enough that um, it becomes part of the practice. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do you use more or less now that you teach at Vita primarily? Um, less than I used to. Yeah. In a gym environment, it's, um, you know, I don't think people are resistant to it per se, but I just think it's, um, you know, it's less part of the practice in that culture. Uh, when I taught in studios, I would use it much more, but, uh, even when I do, um, use it in the gym and even when I'm working with personal training clients who, you know, didn't necessarily sign up for yoga class, you know, when I incorporate that into sessions, I do like to, to use some of the Sanskrit or at least reference it Mm -hmm. when I'm teaching them. Um, favorite, uh, pose in Sanskrit name, name, hmm. Maybe Arda Chandrasana. Arda Chandrasana is a beautiful name, yeah. It's just, yeah, it, it rolls right off the tongue. It it's is. beautiful. Yeah, most uh, most yoga poses do. Yeah, I love, and the thing I love about Sanskrit is you can just stack stuff on, so you can say Parvita, Arda Chandrasana. Yeah, yeah, they're just building blocks. <laughs> you can just you can just build onto stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's simpler than you think. Yeah, um, I like anything that has Ekapadasana in it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't um, I don't use it uh, very much in class. I've, lost all my knowledge and I honestly speak Sanskrit like someone from New Jersey because I am from New Jersey. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so I don't understand the pronunciations as much as I should probably because I didn't go to India and learn it from somebody who's Indian or from any part of India because obviously Sanskrit spoken in the South of India is going to be different than Sanskrit spoken in North of India. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I found that, um, really, you know, when you, the Sanskrit words are important, I think, because of the practice we do is from India. Um, uh, but at the same time, I also am aware that um, that most of the poses are, you know, made up by Iyengar, and he wrote all the Sanskrit terms. So I don't know that I need to have a, a devotion to Iyengar specifically. But why do you use uh, Sanskrit in your classes? Why do you think it's important? Um, 
to me, it feels like a connection to, uh, you know, the original practice or the roots of the practice that, that we teach people. And, um, you know, we're, we're not teaching the same thing that people in India have taught for, for, you know, centuries and thousands of years, but, um, you know, it's, it's a connection that feels authentic to me. And if it's, uh, you know, there are probably different things that teachers and students connect to, but, um, you know, lang- the language part of it, uh, for some reason makes me feel connected back to it. And, uh, you know, yoga is, um, an evolving thing. I don't think it's something that, you know, will stay the same as somebody's blueprint, uh, from, you know, generations past, you know, things evolve for a good reason. And, um, you know, they evolve in, in positive and negative ways, but, uh, you know, there's something about using Sanskrit words in my teaching that makes, uh, you know, as I take a version of yoga that we have today, um, it lets me connect back to where it originally came from. Mm -hmm. Um, have you ever been to India? I haven't been to India yet. Any plans to go? Definitely. Definitely. It's certainly on my short list of places to go very soon. Um, are you, do you think it's going to be one of those things where you would just take a pilgrimage to the subcontinent or is it something you would do to like do more teacher training or to do more yoga over there? Um, I would like to do, I I would love to go and stay at an ashram. Um, I think that would be a great, that, that would be, that would be ideal, but I'd also like to just go travel with, um, I have a good friend that, that grew up there and I'd love to go travel there with her as well. So if I could combine those two things, then that would probably be my my, my dream trip mm-hmm. to India. Um, and, uh, so you also, uh, teach during my yoga teacher training, you teach the part on teaching yoga basics or yoga to beginners. Um, is that something that is sort of close to your heart as well? Um, I do love teaching beginners yeah. and, uh, and simplifying things. And, um, I think it's because it's really easy to walk into a yoga class and be incredibly intimidated. And, you know, that's uh, maybe harder for normal practitioners or regular practitioners to remember because that's a a safe and happy space for them. Um, But take anything you're not used to or that makes you self-conscious and it can be an incredibly difficult thing to overcome. And so I think that having teachers that are skilled at um, teaching beginners in a way that they can walk away and feel like they learn something and we're good at it, um, is, is definitely a, um, a skill we can't have too much of in the yoga teaching community Mm -hmm. and teaching beginners is, as I'm guessing you'll probably agree with me on some level is the hardest group to teach. Absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely is. Especially if you're teaching a full class of beginners who have no body awareness. Right. Um, that is the hardest thing. Um, and, uh, we were talking before the show about how, you know, teaching body awareness is, you know, in a lot of ways, what we do as fitness professionals, um, you know, you, you can tell somebody a million times, you know, to keep their elbows in when they do chaturanga, but until they do it themselves, like they, they don't know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's where you can really, really, you know, like, Hey, we have poses, we have alignment, we have, you know, uh, you know, safe, you know, uh, safe cues and, and, and ways to teach people things, but how you get somebody to understand something in their body is where as a teacher, you can be truly creative, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of my favorite parts about not only teaching yoga, but also doing personal training is, um, getting somebody, whatever that light bulb moment it is for them to understand how to use a muscle or how to move their body in a certain way. 
Um, I think that, you know, it opened up so up or opens up a realization of like, oh my gosh, like what else can I do with my body that I didn't know I could, Mm -hmm. you know, and it brings a real sense of like, um, accomplishment and confidence when somebody can do that. Mm -hmm. My, uh, my favorite thing in the world to do is, um, is watch people do crow pose for the first time. Uh, because, um, if you can do a push up, you, you can do crow pose, you physically can do crow pose. Um, and the thing that I always like to point out is that the reason why most people don't do crow pose is because of what's going on in their brain. Um, and that you need to rewire your brain to, uh, let your body and your brain together think I can actually do this pose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of like the big stepping point. And so when I'm teaching crow pose, I'm like, no, you have to lean forward. No, you have to lean forward. No, you have to lean forward. Now you have to pick up your feet. Now you have to pick up your feet and like watching people do that. And then when they finally do it, it's sort of like, was that so hard? <laughs> <laughs> Until now. Exactly. You know, like <laughs> even, you've been trying this for six months now and like all you really had to do was lean forward and pick up your feet. But that's the point is that like our brains are so powerful that they prevent us from doing the simplest things, right? For lots of different reasons, right? There's mm-hmm. many, many reasons why your brain is telling you not to do this pose or you don't want to do the pose when your body is perfectly capable of doing it. And that's one of the things that I love teaching about yoga, which is, that you can start to figure out or not figure out, but you can start to realize the way that the ways that your mind like habitually does things that maybe uh, aren't beneficial for you. In other words, it prevents you from doing things that you would like to do because it has its own agenda, right? Our egos and our minds have its, has its own agenda that's different than ours. Um, and watching that in beginners and I would say beginners are still the same people that are struggling with crow pose or a push up or anything like that. Watching that sort of click um, and happen is like the most rewarding thing in the world. Oh, makes the job completely worth it. You know, <laughs> whether you're getting paid or not. Yeah, yeah. it's magical. Mm-hmm. Um, what's uh, what's sort of the first thing you teach when you're teaching? Like, say you have a whole new group of beginner yoga students. What's sort of the first thing you tell them? Oh boy, the first thing I tell them. Um, like the first pose I teach or, or anything like, in other words, do you, do you start off, you know, with a class with like, okay, like yoga is like stealing the movement of the mind stuff or yoga is like postures or, you know, it can be anything from that to, you know, the first pose that you teach them. Uh, my number one goal is for them to feel, um, as much at ease as possible. And, uh, you know, I don't know, there's no exact set of words or phrases or anything that I might say to a new group, you know, it, it's kind of whatever, um, I feel in the moment with the group that I have, but, um, letting them know that, you know, we're, we're all here to learn together and that, uh, you know, this is for everyone. And, you know, you weren't, you didn't come here today that you had to be perfect. You know, I just want you to walk out of here feeling like you learned something new and that you enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And, um, to really, really explain things uh, very deliberately. And even though teaching beginners uh, can seem like you're explaining very simple things, how to explain them takes a lot of thought and a lot of practice and experimentation with you know, teaching people in the past. And so um, you know, my goal, I definitely like to you know, introduce myself and meet each person, especially if I haven't taught them before. And um, you know, I think just through uh, the way that I talk to them, hopefully make them feel a little bit more at ease and at home. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, things don't, and this goes for beginners and advanced people, that you don't have to do a crazy, fancy-looking pose for it to be 
advanced or complicated. You know, you can find something new in Warrior Two every day for the rest of your life. And uh, so we don't have to do anything that's uh, overly complicated or um, uh, requires an incredible amount of athleticism or experience to, you know, get really in the weeds in your body or in a pose. And so that might be what makes teaching beginners really fun for me is that I like to nerd out on the tiny little alignment qualities of every single posture Mm because I think that's a form of meditation in and of itself is to notice, hey, just where, where is your knee in this posture? Or what are you feeling? Where is your weight distributed in your foot? That type of thing. Um, and that's a level that an advanced person and a beginner can work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could not get more present than thinking about what your body is actually doing in this moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh. So if we're talking about learning to be present and, you know, you can't be thinking about your, you know, your, your, your grocery list when you're trying to do crow pose or when you're trying to do Ardha Chandrasana, right? I've tried. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> the, yeah. You don't get the, you don't get the grocery list done either. Mm-mm. So more importantly. It doesn't work. One yeah. thing at a time. Yeah. Um, which poses do you typically start off with in a beginner yoga class? Um, usually, you know, seated or laying on your back, something that's going to be easy for everyone. Um, and then, uh, moving into, you know, down dog, but not always moving through a sun salutation. I'm a huge fan of not teaching full sun salutations in yoga in beginner yoga classes. You maverick. You know, you know, this as you've heard (laughs) me give my lecture many times is that, Hey, you know, you can teach that you can build up to that. But doing a fun, full sun salutation, there's a lot involved there, you know, and especially if you've got a lot of different levels. And so, um, you know, I love uh, I love vinyasa, but uh, or vinyasa uh, style classes. But um, I also really love, you know, Iyengar and other um, styles of yoga that are a little more static, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that aren't consistently moving. And so I like to bring a little bit more of that quality to classes that even have some flow to it that are for more beginners because you can really actually figure out what's going on without having to move to the next thing right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know when I, uh, when I structure a class, I always, I literally, I mean, it's funny because once I became a group fitness instructor, my yoga started influencing how I taught group fitness classes and my group fitness classes now influences how I teach my yoga classes. And I, to in a bare bones type of way like the only reason i teach sun salutations is to warm your body up mm-hmm. like i i don't I, I don't care whether you walk to the top of your mat you step to the top you hop you do a handstand on the top i don't care how you do it all i want you to do is move your body for 10 minutes so that when we start stretching your joints and your bones and your muscles are going to be a little bit warm mm-hmm. like and so you could do a sun salutation however the fuck you want to do a sun salutation just as long as you're moving something part of your body mm-hmm. um and that's not to me that's not that's literally what that's for. And then the next half hour is, okay, let's do some standing postures. Let's strengthen our joints and our muscles and our bones. And then for the last 15 minutes, it's like, okay, well, let's do some restorative yoga practice because for the previous 45 minutes, we've amped up your central nervous system and now I want you to relax a little bit so you walk out of here and feeling like you're restored. Mm-hmm. There's no science to it. Like, that's it. Yeah. You know? One of the, uh, this reminds me of one of the best teaching experiences for me as a teacher was a few years ago um my friend 
Rosa Angelova, who's a yeah. teacher in D.C. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, she organized a yoga retreat in Greece, and she asked me to come help teach at it. Mm-hmm. And I said, absolutely, yes, sign me up. <laughs> I want to go to Greece with you. And so um, she had recruited all of the um, students that were going on the retreat. There are about 15 people. And um, Rosa grew up in Europe, and so there were a lot of people from... Um, a lot of European countries and across the world, in addition to a few Americans, including myself, that were on the retreat. And um, some people had done yoga. Some people had never done yoga. Some people spoke English, spoke some level of English. Some spoke no English. There was the most interesting group of people um, I'd ever had the the opportunity to teach. Mm -hmm. And um, I had always been more of a vinyasa flow style teacher and, um, that had always worked pretty well here in DC, but I had this, um, really interesting and diverse group of people and, you know, forget not understanding Sanskrit, you know, for some people I had to just physically demonstrate what was going, what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. And so, because you're um, like me, usually you just walk around the class. You don't stand, you don't sit at the top of the class doing triangle pose during this, during the class. I'm kind of half and half. I do like to demo some and it just feels good because I get to do the pose sometimes. I'll admit I'm a little selfish that I just like to do the pose sometimes, but, um, I was teaching them on the first day and I was teaching in a flow style and I walked away just feeling like, man, I just really didn't, it didn't like, I didn't connect the way I needed to. It didn't feel good. You know, it wasn't bad, but I was like, that's just different than any class I've ever taught. And so the next day, I completely changed my style of teaching, and I just taught one pose at a time, and then we switched to the new pose, and we built it from the ground up, and it was extremely alignment-based. I did a lot of demonstrating, um, and we spent a long time in each pose before we then just switched to the next one, and so not vinyasa, mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't do sun salutations. Uh, we we did warm-ups for for sure, but um, I just had to sort of on the spot adapt completely to, in order to um, teach my students well, and um, I really enjoyed it, and that was the start of me thinking like, hey, you know, in order to get across learning something in your body, doing it healthy, enjoying it, and being able to breathe well and sit still, it doesn't have to look exactly like yeah. um, the typical yoga class that... Um, I'm used to. Yeah. So. And there's a lot, I mean, there's, and the reasons why we do that, right. Are many fold, but two that sort of popped to my mind is first, you know, you teach what your own experience is. Um, and you know, you form a mental image in your mind of what a perfect yoga class looks like. And then you sort of start to think, well, everybody thinks that don't they? Like that's how we start a class with sun salutations. And this is how we do that. And, this, and after a while you start to realize like, no, like, that's a very small portion of like what I can actually do in a yoga class. And the other thing is you want people to go to your class. And so a part of you thinks, well, I've got to make this class hard. So I've got to have them do a lot of push-ups, or else they weren't going to come, come back to my class because they hadn't given their workout in. And after a while you sort of realize, well, then those people can go take someone else's class. They can. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. And know? that's fine. Like I don't have to teach a class that mm-hmm. everybody loves. Like yeah. I can teach a class that like 
the of the you know the material that I want to teach that I think is important for health and happiness and I'm happy that you know eight or ten people come to that class and then you know I'm not teaching this because I want 20 people to come to my class I'm teaching this because I want to teach the things I want to teach mm-hmm. right and I'm as you know being a huge alignment nerd as you know and I've said um and also, you know, delving into uh, how the body works in training too, that, you know, I'd rather, you know, teach uh, really, really good alignment of, um, you know, a beginner intermediate level class than a more advanced class, um, just because I think I can do that better, or mm-hmm. I can serve people better doing that. Um, other people are much better at teaching advanced students. And um, I think that I just trend more towards the the all levels kind of group because I like to get in those little details. Yeah. That's why I love Mm -hmm. teaching Avita. It's great. Like you never know what's going to walk in the door. It's fantastic. You never know. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just great. Cause I mean, as an instructor, you know, how many, how many classes have you taught at this point? Do you think Mm. just a rough guess? Three to 4,000. Yeah. So like after teaching three or 4,000 classes, you, do you know any new yoga moves? Not really, yeah, but neither. I know a lot of new things about those yoga exactly. moves. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, so like you have two options. You can either learn new yoga moves, which there aren't any, um, or you can learn more about how your body works in those poses. Or the third thing is you can start to pay attention to the students in your classes. And that's what really makes it so rewarding is the actual different students that come into your class and what you get to work with every day. That's what makes it enjoyable because the poses aren't changing, mm-hmm. right? The way you stack your bones in warrior two isn't going to change really. Um, but, uh, well, it can, but that's another whole entire podcast episode probably. <laughs> um, but what really makes it interesting is people that come into your class and that's what, that's, what's going to get you, going to give you that connection for the day and it's going to intellectually satisfy you is who's in the class and what am I working with here because otherwise you know after teaching you know 100 yoga classes you get tired of teaching warrior two let alone three to four thousand right mm-hmm. um I I I just truly enjoy working at a gym I think it's it's fantastic um and because of that and because also you know if I taught at a yoga studio um where I had people who whose only form of workout was yoga it would it just sort of like it feels to me like that type of a lot of times that type of yoga student um, can get the same thing by watching something on YouTube. Like all I'm doing is calling out postures at right. that point. Right. I'm not really I'm not really imparting the knowledge in a way that's um, that's beneficial, I think. You know, I mean, if you have somebody who's doing handstands and crow poses and warrior twos and stuff like that perfectly then really honestly what we should be teaching is meditation to those people and a lot of times that's not what yoga studios are offering Mm -hmm. and Um, you know like what does perfectly even mean exactly exactly Mm -hmm. and well maybe and this is kind of what i was building to which is you know this as a personal trainer and a group fitness person um you know if you have somebody who comes to you and has for example like really strong uh quadricep muscles well you're not gonna do uh you're not going to do leg extensions with them. I mean, you're not going to try and build their quadricep muscles. You're going to try and work their glutes and their hamstrings because those are the muscles that don't work for them. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of the, the same thing with, um, with, with doing all of the fast paced yoga classes is you're only using the muscles you already have. 
right? You're not using any of the muscles you don't have. So when you do something like a slower paced yoga class where you're teaching the ins and outs of like doing Ardha Chandrasana with a block, you know, and you're learning to actually balance and hold that pose and stabilize your joints, you're actually working the muscles you don't have, mm-hmm. which is much more beneficial than working the ones you already have. Yeah. And the ones you didn't even know you had. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, that actually reminds me of one thing that one of my um, Muay Thai coaches taught me and it was, you know, just learning skills and reaction, um, you know, and, and defensive moves and stuff like that really apply to anything. But, um, he said, if you're, if you're doing something at full speed, you're only accessing what you already know. Mm-hmm. But if you slow down, you can build new knowledge and patterns. And I mean, it, that goes for any movement or exercise, not just, you know, punching and kicking, but, uh, and defending, but it goes for yoga. It goes for, um, you know, anything on the weight floor that if you slow down, you're going to learn something new. If you speed up or say at the same speed, you're really only working with what you got. You're just using muscle memory. Right. Yeah. So slowing down is big, big, important part of yeah, any mean, modality. I mean, you teach yoga for athletes, right? And like up at U Street. Yeah. Was that one of your I don't you teach, do? I don't teach that class, but I teach yoga two athletes yeah. individually so that counts i mean so so i always find it i always make this comparison in yoga for athletes when i teach my students which is like um baseball players have no problem whatsoever like hitting a 90 mile an hour fastball well they do 70 percent of the time but 30 percent of the time they do hit the ball um and uh and i and but if you ask a baseball player to go play golf they can't do it because the ball's just sitting there it's not being thrown at them. Yeah. Right. Completely different. Completely different. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's so funny when I see the, my doing a yoga for athletes class and I ask them to do like a standing split and like half of them are falling over and I'm like, I don't understand. Aren't you athletes? I'm just asking you to stand on your leg, like one leg and lift up your <laughs> other leg. It can't be that possible. It can't possibly be that hard. Right. Mm-hmm. You guys are deadlifting. Like I watch you guys deadlift. Like, um, and so it's just a great like reminder that, you know, we do, uh, we do need more of more modalities of what we're doing, more cross chaining what we're doing. Um, and, um, people who lift weights should always be doing yoga and people who do yoga, as I think you'll probably agree, should definitely lift weights. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like my goal in life to get yogis to lift weights and weightlifters to do yoga and same with runners and martial artists for everybody to do everything. Uh, but especially everybody to do yoga. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, how do you, um, so let's talk about lifting weights for a little bit. You like lifting weights? I do like lifting weights. I love lifting weights. It's great. Um, and I love, especially, uh, I've been lifting weights recently really in um, really slow reps. And I find it's very yogic. Oh, yeah. Like definitely. I, like I really love getting under like a bench and seeing how slowly I can lower it to my chest and how slowly I can push it back up towards the sky. Mm-hmm. And I swear, just doing four reps that way your your chest burns oh absolutely (laughs) and when you do i mean if you like change up the the pacing or add in you know static holds to lifting then it completely changes the game you know there's you know just picking something up and putting it down can be done in about a million different ways when you add in you know time and pace and holding and all different kinds of things so Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i definitely i remember um back when i first got into yoga that some some people saw weightlifting, um, and I had a somewhat of this this outlook as well. Um, 
that, you know, weightlifting wasn't as mindful of an activity as yoga. And I don't believe that at all. I think that it is um, just as mindful, um, if not more. Um, And any activity can be mindful or not, whether it's, you know, yoga, weightlifting or grocery shopping, whatever you want to do. But especially when it comes to lifting weights, you know, there's, there's actually more at stake because, you know, if you, um, you know, do a downward facing dog, you know, with, uh, you know, alignment that could be a lot better or, you know, you, or you're, you know, you're doing it repeatedly with that alignment. Yes, you can hurt yourself, but if you deadlift incorrectly, you can really hurt yourself. And so, um, all the nuances of how to utilize your body, uh, properly, in weightlifting, I find requires even more body awareness than uh, than yoga at times, and uh, it it definitely it it can be a yoga practice in and of itself mm-hmm. when you're really tuned in. It is. It's it is. It's totally. I think it 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 can be just as yoga is doing a yoga class. Absolutely. Definitely. Your own yoga practice now. What do you do like for your own yoga practice now these days? Oh my gosh. If I, if I can just sit still and meditate for 10 minutes, that, that'll, that'll make me happiest. <laughs> um, do you have a daily medication practice? Um, no, I wouldn't say daily, but or I did feel, you ever have one? I, I mean, did. Yeah, did. definitely. Um, I used to have, have you done I, Vipassana? Did you do Vipassana? Yet? I haven't done a Vipassana, although I definitely want to, I think that would be wonderful. Um, but I've definitely had daily meditation practice for long periods before, um, used to have a daily um, chanting practice for a while after yeah, mantra, uh, yeah. after a, a yoga teacher training uh, portion I did in New York um, in 2015. They really emphasized that. And I was like, hey, you know, adding sound to meditation is a really powerful thing. And so I did it for like 40 days and it, mm-hmm. um, it w- I really learned a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as my own yoga practice now... Um, I really do feel like I get the same um, types of things like mindfulness and being in my body and, and, and learning the lessons of, you know, contentment and being nice to myself and all, all the simple but complicated things that yoga really opens the door for us. I get that in a lot of different ways in my life. But when it comes to straight up yoga, um, it's really just little portions that I get to do on my own, whether it's at the gym or at home. Mm-hmm. I do have a mat laid out at home at all times. So yeah. I can hop on it when I want to. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, now, uh, cross training, lifting weights. What else? Um, martial arts, but anything else? Yeah, I'd say, you know, martial arts is my main focus these days. So, um, I, uh, when training to compete, it's kind of got to be the main thing. And so I'd say that I'm doing some sort of martial arts training five to six days a week. Uh, I lift three days a week. Um, and then I do mobility and stretching and yoga. I'll put that in since we're just speaking physically, really, um, then that will happen two to three times a week as well. Mm -hmm. And that's basically my, my workout schedule these days. Yeah. 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 You don't, it's, uh, it's fun working at a gym you can kind of, it's awesome. It's awesome. Right. Yeah. It's like living. I always like tell people it's like, it's like living in a, uh, a grown up playground. It is. It is. It's not, there's music playing all day and you get to wear sweatpants. I know it's not an adult playground. That would be something very different. It's a playground with adults in exactly, it. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Um, that's so cool. Um, how many yoga classes do you, you teaching now? Um, just three right now. Three. Um, yeah, I do, I do some yoga privates too, but I teach 
um, three classes, which will actually soon be two. Um, I've changed my schedule a little bit to accommodate my own training. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, both vinyasa classes at U street and, uh, they're, um, two of my favorite hours of work per week for sure. Because so do you find like you have more time to like plan those classes in a way that's like, um, uh, more satisfying when, you know, cause when you teach 12, 15 year old classes a week, you're not sitting there, you know, planning out your classes. You're going in there and you're like, yeah, I'm going to teach whatever comes into my fucking head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know it. It's true. Yeah, yeah. When you teach that many, you're not, you know, planning every step of every class, which, you know, when you, when you step in to teach, I, I mean, I always find myself adapting every class anyway, depending on who's in it and, you know, where the moment takes me i'm like mm-hmm. oh no you know hip flexors are going to be something i do today you know and then i kind of build the class around that but um i definitely get a lot of satisfaction about uh, you know my sequencing for those two classes since it's the only two times i get to do that per week mm-hmm. and i usually make basically one focus or sequence for the week and i teach it um you know based upon the group that's in front of me um on that particular day and then i change it up next week mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, any, uh, resources like yoga resources, for example, on the web or books, like favorite books you have, favorite artists you listen to, like anything like that? Hmm. Trying to think nothing particular comes to mind, but even just thinking back to the, um, like the books we had to read in teacher training and stuff like that. You read them since then? Um, I reference them, yeah. I definitely look back to them. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, a couple books on chakras and and things like that that I, I look back and, and reference. Not the whole thing, but I look back for inspiration all the time. So, I mean, you know, books by Donna Farhi and, um, yeah. and Anna Forrest have always been things that I go back to again and again. All right, so tell us about how you weave chakras into your class because we were we were actually at a happy hour I last don't. night. <laughs> you don't? Yeah, I do. I do a little Sanskrit, but I don't talk about the chakras in class. Chakras. But, um, but uh, it's definitely something that you know you can just think about. You know, whether it's you know how to find grounding in a posture or like the things that the chakras address and represent. You know, it's um, you know, or even just how to align your posture you know like that's where that kind of stuff comes in in the back of my mind but i will admit i don't use the word chakra when i'm teaching my classes at vita <laughs> i mean you know it could be the new thing mm-hmm. it could be the new thing yeah could you be the new chakra chakra yoga class the, the new chakra flow yeah with christine contra yep let's put it on the schedule <laughs> um cool well um thank you so much for coming in today thanks for having me yeah um any uh any websites any social media stuff that you want to put out there any um any fights coming up that we can come watch you participate in anything like that uh as far as social media um and when are you and angela gonna spar Oh, we do all the time. Oh, you do all the time? Yeah, constantly. Really? All right. Yeah, yeah, just to practice, though. We don't, like, actually fight each other. Right, right. Yeah. It's that we say we 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 love each other through punches. Right. We'll have a DC podcast, DC Yoga podcast special with with Christine and Angela's first first sanctioned fight. Sign me up. (laughs) Um, As far as social media, um, I use Instagram. So, uh, C Contra Health. Uh, You know, you can follow me there for all things... Um, life, yoga, martial arts, everything under the sun. Um, as far as competitions coming up, um, locally, I don't have anything on the schedule. I'll be traveling for some tournaments and things, but 
I, uh, I'm hoping to have uh, something local in the D.C. area mm. this year. And so I will let you know as soon as I have that on the calendar. When you went, your first your first fight was in Thailand? No, you went to Thailand. No, I did. I, did. I competed in Thailand in March this year. And uh, But my first, uh, you know, when you, when you start fighting, you have some that are don't go on your record. There's, in a way, practice fights or to get you in the ring and get you some experience. And I had two of those that were in D.C. or technically in Maryland, but in the D.C. area um, when I started. And then um, I competed in Delaware for my next one. And then um, the last two have been overseas. So I hope to have one nearby soon. That's so cool. Um, Awesome. Well, uh, Christine, thank you for coming on the show once again. Um, And uh, you've been listening to the D.C. Yoga Podcast. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Take care, everybody.